Okay, in this episode, I'm going to be talking about dog training as a bit of a broad sense in regards to how it relates to just learning in general uh, across different species. So let's dive right into it. If you talk about dog training in general, dog training is about teaching or the dog learning some sort of skill, right? Uh, or the dog learning new skills or more constructive skills. The very fact that somebody is hiring you, contacting you, and telling you, hey, my dog is pulling, my dog is doing this, or my dog is, uh, you know, is doing this thing that I find very annoying, can you please help me stop that? When you do this, when you address this, what you're actually doing is you are teaching, hopefully, you're teaching the dog more constructive ways to deal with their situation, okay? So how this relates to learning in general. If you think about learning in a more broad sense, um, you know, and you look at it as humans learning something, when you want to improve your situation, this requires the attainment of some sort of skill, okay? When you're a child, in order to move from point A to point B, this requires learning a skill, okay? You're, you're a very young kid, baby, toddler. If you want to go from point A to point B, you have two options, really. You have to either cry and scream because that has worked in the past and wait for somebody to pick you up and hopefully have them guess what it is that you want. This is a very, very, um, you know, early signs of learning on a child, right? You, you want to improve your situation somehow. So you cry because this has worked somehow in the past. You were hungry, you cried, you got fed. But what happens is it's not always convenient. As you start to grow and mature, you want different things. You learn the environment changes and you're not always hungry. You want to go from point A to point B. This means that you can wait for somebody to pick you up and get you to where you want to go. If that works out, that's great. You got paid for that. Uh, this means this behavior um, you know, was met with this consequence. And now this works for you. But if that doesn't work, now you're still going to be crying. If you've ever seen a child go through this, you know exactly what I'm talking about. If you have children, you know exactly what I'm talking about. But what happens is when that doesn't work, when that's not convenient to the child, if you look at children, they're very, very innocent. They're very, very, I mean, they're, they're little animals, right? And so what happens is they have to learn a skill. They have to learn how to walk. They have to learn how to crawl at least. And the desire to improve their situation gets them to try things and get them to where they want to go. Now, this process of learning happens when they start to move. Uh, and then what happens is these different random movements get them slightly in the direction of where they want to go, okay? So you could argue that this is shaping, okay? Um, and then the dog, the, the child rather, starts to 
then move a little bit more, and then they start to figure out what it is that got them an inch farther, right? And then this is how the child learns how to crawl, and eventually this is how the child learns how to walk, eventually this is how the child learns how to run. And in that process of crawling, walking, and running, there are a lot of mistakes that are made. There's a lot of encouragement, right? You have the family that is clapping, laughing, and they're encouraging the child. The child gets what they want. And this now is how the dog learns to cope with that situation. This is how they learn to manipulate the environment or their, or their uh, mechanics to get what they want. This is learning, okay? So when you have a dog that tries a bunch of things that it has been successful with in the past, right? A dog maybe wants to go from point A to point B. Dogs are very successful are at getting there. If you have the dog with a, with a person who doesn't understand, which most people don't, your average client really doesn't understand this, what happens is all that trying and all that whining and all that pulling, I'm, I'm making a very simple analogy here, very, very simple um, example. But when the, when the dog is pulling and trying and pitching a fit and it gets to what it wants, this dog is learning a skill. So what happens is all that pulling and all that whining and, and all of that is getting the dog what it wants. Okay, so the dog is learning a skill and it is learning to go from point A to point B. Well, even though the dog learned it, this is not always the most convenient thing for the person holding onto the leash, right? The person is now going, crap, my dog pulls. My dog is doing this, that, and the other. But here's what happens. It's not just that. I'm going to give you a different example. Um, very, very common thing that happens. A lot of people don't realize. They don't pick up on these things. Unless you're a dog trainer, which if you're a dog trainer, you know exactly what I'm talking about. If you've seen this phenomenon right here, which is in the case of the fearful dog, for instance. The fearful dog Again, I'm making a simple example here. The fearful dog, let's say the fearful dog um, has learned to use a little bit of, maybe a little bit of violence to increase the distance between it and the trigger, okay? And this is what dog trainers will call fear aggression, right? Um, Fear-motivated aggression. So what happens is the dog sees the trigger, the dog maybe flips out a little bit, and maybe it acts in a little bit of violence, maybe it doesn't act in violence at all, maybe the dog uh, doesn't growl, show teeth, none of that, but maybe the dog starts to maybe flee, pull away, hit the brakes, they hit the ground, they kind of do this little motion because this is the best way that they have to deal with their situation, which is that thing is too close, I need to do something, I need to walk backwards, I need to you know, do whatever, and in the process of doing all of this, the person sees this, and they go, oh my God, my dog, poor dog is afraid, which they, they realize this, they pick up on this, but what they do is through no fault of their own, they're, they're not wrong for doing this, but what they'll do, they'll do is they'll go, oh, you know, don't worry about it, let's get you out of here, all right? So here's what happened in that scenario. In that scenario, okay, there's a lot going on here, but in this scenario, a specific action, okay, a specific action, hitting the brakes, twirling, whatever it was that made this person go, wow, he's afraid, 
a specific action got the dog some sort of a reward, which reward was distance. So now the dog is potentially learning a skill, which means if I see something I don't like, the best way for me to control my environment is to hit the brakes, do this little motion, and then I immediately get distance. Either that goes away or mom or dad pull me away. Okay, I'm not talking about classical conditioning. I'm not talking about desensitization, counter conditioning. I'm not talking about that. That is more classical conditioning. Um, you know, yes, the dog sees the trigger. The trigger causes some sort of a, an emotional reaction in the dog. And this now you we, we can call classical conditioning because that's exactly what's happening. Associations are being are, are taking place that I get. But the actual behavior, the movement of the body, the mechanics that the dog will engage in in order to deal with its environment, that is operant. That is operant conditioning. That means the dog is learning a set of skills in order to get what it wants. Okay, And in dog training, that's what happens. There's a lot of confusion and there's a lot of... Um, um, just mislabeling of certain things because uh, we try to make it too black and white. Like the example that I just gave you, fearful dog sees something it's afraid of, they, you know, they freak out and then they walk away or the owner pulls them away. A lot of the trainers, rightfully so, will look at this and they'll go, this dog needs counter conditioning, which I don't, I, I, it makes sense to me. I'm, I'm 100% on board. Or this dog maybe needs some systematic desensitization, or this dog maybe needs some flooding. Whatever classical conditioning approach that you would deem the best scenario for this dog in this particular context, hey, that makes sense to me if it's classical conditioning. But sometimes we don't look at the actual mechanics of the dog. So the dog twirling and the dog moving and the dog hitting the brakes and the dog leaning back, these are also behaviors that are voluntarily taking place. When these behaviors voluntarily take place, you're now switching over to operant conditioning. Okay, and I know for some dog trainers, this is a little bit uh, and a little bit complex. And I can do certainly another episode on classical and operant conditioning, but uh, just very briefly to tell you a quick, you know, a, a the quick difference between classical and operant conditioning is classical conditioning deals with involuntary responses to a stimulus, whereas operant conditioning deals with voluntary behaviors. Okay, so in this example that I just gave you with the fearful dog, yes, the dog is afraid, there's a trigger that makes him nervous and affects that dog on a very emotional level. But at the same time, what is taking place is the dog is learning a certain set of mechanics to control its environment. So we have two things potentially happening here. And I want to look at this and go, I can approach this problem in two different ways. Okay, I can address the, uh, the, uh, the association to that stimulus, but I can also teach the dog more constructive behaviors that it can do in order to control its environment in a different way, okay? So the child, for instance, that is 
you know, doing the, the warm move and crawling the best way that they can, but it's taking them forever to get to what they want, we can go, hey, you know, why don't we teach you how to crawl properly? Why don't we teach you how to walk? Okay, now the child has a much more constructive way to get what it wants, and all it had to do, it just had to learn a new set of skills to get what it wants. So with dogs, it's, a, the very, uh, it's really the same thing that is taking place. The same thing is happening. Um, why this is important for dog trainers to know is because you really want to be open about way, different ways to deal with a behavior. Okay, I know dog trainers that in this scenario with the fearful dog that I just described, some trainers will go, hey, just tell him to stop it and, you know, that's not an option and he has to behave. You just have to correct him and make him behave. And that would operate under operant conditioning, meaning we're going to make that dog not do that and he has to do this instead, right? This is incompatible behavior so instead of doing that crazy thing let's have you do this instead this is how you're going to behave when you see this thing that's operant conditioning that's certainly one way to do it another way to do it would be hey why are you afraid of that thing got an idea why don't we address that and why don't we change the association that you have to that thing and operate under the umbrella of classical conditioning and try to change whatever association or whatever misunderstanding you have with that stimulus. Okay, uh, So those are two different ways to deal with this. And I could also do both. I could go, we definitely want to address what's happening here, what type of association is, being, is taking place. But at the same time, let's teach you some skills. Let's teach you something constructive to do in order to deal with this, uh, you know, with this picture, with this environment, with this stimulus. So learning happens like that, okay? When you learn something new, it is really in order to improve your situation, okay? When you start a business, you have to learn new skills to improve your situation. When you go to a seminar to you know, maybe learn about public speaking or you go to a seminar to learn about uh, defensive handling or you go to a seminar to learn about, uh, you know, bat training, behavior adjustment training, whatever type of seminar or continued education that you go to, you do it in order to learn a new set of skills so that you can improve your situation. This could be to be a better dog trainer, to be better at business, to be better at communicating with people, whatever the case may be. But learning is something that you do to improve your situation, okay? Whether it's learning, I need to show more, more impulse control, I need to not do that, or whether it's learning a brand new skill and, and learning how to deal with things differently. This will go across every different species, okay? Dogs are no different. We need to look at dogs as the animals that they are and not humanize them and go, well, you're just like people, but to really understand what learning is. And when you look at it that way, it just makes dog training just a little bit easier because you're no longer just trying to figure out how do I deal with this. You're actually thinking, 
why are you doing that? How is it that by you doing this, you feel like you're improving your situation? How has this behavior in the past improved your situation? And then how can we teach you a new set of skills that will improve your situation even more? So that rather than you just doing it because I want you to do it, you actually do it because you want to do it. Does that make sense? This is something that I, I want the dog to learn. Uh, this is something that works with people. This is something that works with really any species. This is why operant conditioning and even classical conditioning, you know, this works on different animals, works on people. It certainly works on dogs. It just takes a matter of understanding a little bit, okay, uh, and, and learning a little bit more about these two different topics, classical and operant conditioning. Maybe reading up on it on the reading up on the subject a little bit more, and uh, and, and realizing that they're just animals, and animals learn under a certain set of scenarios. Okay, so this is one of the things that I wanted to certainly bring up. One of the things that I wanted to talk about. I'm very very fascinated like i said in the previous episode i'm very fascinated by learning in general you know it, it it happened with me when i talked in the last episode about uh you know learning martial arts i wanted to learn martial arts and why did i want to learn martial arts you know one of the main reasons a lot of people get into martial arts it's because they want to improve the situation in one way okay to me as is the case in a lot of people, I wanted to learn to defend myself. It was important to me to learn to defend myself. When I was a kid growing up in Peru, um, you know, I, I lived in good neighborhoods, went to good private schools, but I mean, is fistfights was just a thing that you did. You know, we didn't have uh, phones, we didn't have uh, tablets, we we did a lot of contact sports. And when you do contact sports, you're going to have disagreements. You're going to have emotions running hot. And when you have that and you have a bunch of little kids, you're going to have pushing and pulling and punching and hitting and kicking and all kinds of things. And even though, you know, I got in a, a lot of these and I was able to hold my own, there were certainly deficiencies that I had that I recognized at a very young age um, and that I wanted to improve on. So... Um, this is why, this is how I got started learning martial arts. It was the reason, it was the, it was the ignition for me, okay? Um, just a little bit of a side note, the book, The Talent Code, talks about this. Um, you know, I'm not going to tell you about the entire book right here, right now, but, uh, you know, it does talk about this being a, a potential source of ignition. Um, and, then it, and it was for me. It definitely was. I wanted to learn to defend myself. So I went at it and I became uh, obsessed with it because I wanted to get good at it. I went to the, I went to the, uh, you know, to the Taekwondo studio and, and we did our thing. My very first day, very first day in class, they kind of did an assessment of where I was in, in terms of learning how to defend myself. And so they put me with one of the lower ranking students not a white belt, but he was, uh, you know, he wasn't a black belt either. He was so one of the lower ranking students, certainly knew way more than I did. And I mean, the guy just kicked my ass, completely just kicked my ass, right? 
in a very controlled manner. It wasn't a bloodbath. I didn't lose teeth, nothing like that. But um, that definitely told me. And it was, it was part of the school's assessment. They did that with everybody just kind of to kind of gauge your speed and uh, your reaction time and all of that. Those were good times. Um, like I said in the previous episode, I, I was very lucky that I had a very traditional school that I went to, a very traditional instructor in, uh, you know, in martial arts. And uh, this was the process. And this was a, this is where you are. Now we're going to train you and then we're going to do another assessment. And then you're going to see your weaknesses and then we're going to, you're going to keep learning and then we'll do more assessments. And I mean, I had a blast. It was awesome. It, it definitely gave me an idea as to where I was. And, uh, and it was, again, I was learning and I was motivated to learn to improve my situation. Okay. And everything else that I've learned is the same thing. Um, sometimes as humans, you will go, you know, I would like to learn that. I would like to learn to play that instrument. I would like to learn how to do that, even though it doesn't directly improve your situation, at least not immediately and not very apparently, but in a very deep, indirect way, it still improves your situation, right? You could go, well, I want to learn how to play the piano. And you might think, well, that's not going to improve my situation, but I want to just learn how to do it in a very deep, indirect way that is still improving your situation. This is still giving you something that you didn't have, whether that something is a sense of fulfillment, um, it's, you know, some uh, relaxing or whatever it is, it does something for you in a very indirect way that still improves your situation. So every time your dog is doing something, especially when they're young, every time they're out and about, they are learning something. And everything they're learning is to improve their situation, whether you like it or not, okay? Um, you know, whatever the behavior might be, if it's tearing your curtains, tearing up your shoes, and you might go, how, how did that improve your situation? It did something for that dog. It improved the situation. So we want to teach them different ways to do that. Okay. So anyways, that's what this episode's about. I just wanted to put my thoughts out there and talk about that. Keep it short and sweet. Nothing too, too long. Nothing too, too crazy. And let me know if you like this episode and let me know if you want to maybe... Uh, if you want me to expand on something else, or if you have a different idea for uh, you know something else you want me to touch on, please let me know, and uh, and I'll definitely see if I can make an episode on that.